Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of I'm Okay Though. This one's slightly different because we're not in the same room. We're in a virtual room. I'm Owen Cutts. I'm a music producer, a songwriter, a podcaster. I'm Jodie Karras. I'm a psychotherapist and I'm the founder of Self Space, which is a contemporary mental health service. And we work with companies and individuals, couples, young people, everybody. I might add all these to my Instagram bio. You know, people who have like entrepreneur, <laughs> actor, director. Is podcaster an actual thing? Is that the actual title of no it? No idea. I like it. It's sort of like what you'd write in your kind of school, you know, your diary. Like, what do I hope to be? A podcaster. I think it's a real thing. It's cool. I like it. I'm going to add that to my acronyms. Sure, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to add it too. <laughs> podcaster. Sounds like, sounds a little too close to YouTuber. Yeah. TikToker is what my daughter says. TikToker. She's a TikToker because she's got 283 followers. She, well, they're, they're, listen, she's a TikToker. What I can know. you say? I'm like, yeah, go for it. What does she do? Does she do all the dances? She and does stuff? a lot of dancing. She does a bit of kind of taking the mickey out of people on Love Island, which she's actually really, really good at. But we've had a lot of talks about the kind of bullying culture. And whilst I quite like her sort of take on it, which is it's really upsetting how they're showing the people on there, particularly the women, she thinks. We also talked about that whilst I think she's capturing something in her kind of, she's not meaning to mock, she's just sort of relaying what she's seeing. And actually it's quite awful when you see it back. Yeah. But just sort of really thinking about the culture around that and how can we actually support others and not let people get away with things that look look or feel a bit like bullying. Right, interesting. And she's come to that on her own. She's, she's sort of like says, oh, I'm not quite like the way women are being portrayed on this. I didn't want her to watch it because she's only 12, but I said her, all her friends were watching it. So I was like, right, come on then, we'll watch a few episodes together. And she got really into it. She got really like engaged with one of the couples, kind of like really sort of felt sorry for them, I think. She was sort of with their struggles. But she said to me, I don't really like it that one, she thought that the women's bodies weren't real. She said, it doesn't, I never really see people that look like that. Not very many anyway, mommy, which is spot on. Yeah. And then she also talked about the fact that she thought they were, that, that it was being manipulated into a kind of story that might not, we might not know it all. We might, there might be things that are happening when the camera's off that make this seem totally different, is her thoughts, which is right. Which is, yeah, it's quite insightful, isn't it? Yeah. It's relevant, hey, because it's what we show, what parts of ourselves, what bits of ourselves, in what environment, and how is that construed by other people and stuff like that. And nowadays, you have so many ways to show it. Yeah. It seems. How we can curate the best bits of ourselves and who that attracts and, and what we're trying to put out there. And is that healthy? I don't know. Can, can it be healthy? Well, I know that you and I are sort of talking about the post-COVID kind of feelings and fears and and this idea. You said, you know, that we're in this, in rooms kind of on our own doing this podcast and yet still kind of connected. But I think it's, it is really relevant, this idea of how do we, how are we connecting to each other? What bits of ourselves are we showing? And, and we have much more tools now, don't we, to curate our lives more than we ever used to, I think. How much of this, Kind of thing we're talking about of COVID, isolation, friendships, connections. How much have you seen in sort of like in your in your work? 
I think it varies actually from person to person and it really depends on their kind of how they were when they went into COVID and kind of what their setup was like, what they were struggling with or not struggling with. I mean, have you found it drastically different from how you normally work? So I'm imagining that you're often in a room on your own or just with a couple of people. The first lockdown actually gave me uh, a chance to be in the room on my own for the first time in a long time. Luckily, my studio was walking distance from my house and I just made beats for like three months. And it was kind of amazing, to be honest, because I felt like I was 18 again. And with that came like, I kind of remembered what my values were when I was 18 and uh, why why I made music. Which was what? When I was 18, I never thought I'd have a career in it. It wasn't, I just didn't think it would be a thing, but it was all about sort of like watching YouTube tutorials and asking friends and how do you get your drums to sound like that and like listening to records and referencing them and sampling things. And, and and the first, the first lockdown really gave that back to me. And I've taken that through into my work now where I'm like, it's really back to basics. It's really like, why are we doing this? What are we doing it for? Do we love it? If we don't, why are we here? You know, that sort of attitude. And there was a lot of Zoom sessions that went on that I sort of refused to be a part of because I just, I couldn't do it. I couldn't get that creativity over over Zoom, you know, writing a song with someone that you've never met. Do you think that you're kind of, you talk about like when you were 18, do you think, if you think about your kind of mental health then and now, what do you make of that? Does it kind of feel relevant? Do you feel different, the same? I think when I was 18, we'd make a mixtape every Sunday, me and my friends. But essentially, like, we never really, like, bought that many new records and we never really, like, had that many new rhymes. So, like, every single week we kind of did the same thing, but we loved it. (laughs) Well, there's safety and familiarity, right? Yeah. It was like, okay, Sunday we'll go around to my friend Jan's house and we'll do a, we'll make a mixtape. And we took it really seriously. And like if someone missed a Sunday, it'd be like, oh, what's more important? You know, no one was listening to these mixtapes. No one was like paying us to do it. And I think like as you get older, that seems like a crazy thing to do. But really, it's actually quite a beautiful thing to do, such a pure thing to do. Well, that we're talking about connection there, right? You you had a responsibility to each other that you showed up. It was a regular commitment, which is always kind of, it makes us feel good when we know those things are kind of there to lean into. Yeah. And there's something kind of creative about the experience that you're involved in. So all of those things contribute to us feeling good. And I loved it. And I think the difference between then and now is that like, now I'd only really do something like that if someone was paying me, especially when you're self-employed or in the arts or creative or whatever. It's like, okay, but yeah, I'm going to get paid, right? Or how much, what's the budget? Because you have responsibilities and you have things that you have to pay for. And, and also, you know your worth, you know, you know, like, I'm not 18 anymore. I'm, my value as a producer is worth more than it was then. And the, all those things come into play, I guess. But it was, it was just nice to get back to that sort of like mind frame of like, okay, no one's here. No one's waiting for anything productive from me because everyone's in this pandemic lockdown. So let me just kind of be creative and free. Yeah, it's been great. And I'm fully aware that not everyone had that luxury. 
yeah, I mean, everyone's experiences, I think, have been so different. I noticed that during the lockdown period, I'm I'm not actually very good on the phone. Like, I don't really like speaking on the phone. It's not my thing. One, I like to see the person that I'm speaking with. And I don't like not picking up on kind of nuances on the phone. So I started like leaving voice notes for my friends and getting voice notes back, which is not something I'd ever really done before. And I quite liked that, actually, because I was in control of how long I did it for, committed to it. But still, I got a real sense of kind of being connected. Did you find that you were wanting to recreate that kind of this idea of you all being together, but found different ways of doing it? We did like Zoom quiz nights. That was a thing. Yeah, I think some people loved them. Some people hated them. Yeah, it was like I did speak on the phone with with people and I did, you know, mad stuff happened in that first lockdown. You know, lots of things were going on. So there was lots to kind of like reassess about and think about and talk to people about. And Also, I did this thing with, with my friends called the Isolation Games where... I set up a WhatsApp group with loads of friends that I went to school with or worked with. or But I made sure everyone in the group knew each other. And then every day, I'd set a new challenge. Give me some examples. The first one was like, you put a cup on its own on the kitchen counter and you took five steps. You had five tea bags and you could see how many you got in a cup and you filmed it. And then you put it on the group and they'd be like, challenge set, I got two, who can beat that? And then throughout the day, you just get these like videos in of everyone doing it. And then we started like a leaderboard. And then, then it was like other people started making up games. Like it wasn't just me, it was my friends were like, okay, today we're going to do like, how many kickups can you do with a, with a toilet roll? And, and then, <laughs> you know, it was just, I really loved that part. And then we did it all through the first lockdown. Did you think there was a bit of a kind of return to your ute? Yeah, a little bit, yeah. It was like games, fun, you know, creativity. Yeah, actually, yeah, there was. So similarly, where the connection became like really important when you're in your teens, right, which is a a really difficult time anyway. And then when you get back to a place that's a bit challenging, like a lockdown, we kind of find a way to feel our resilience, to feel our connection, to to yeah the this sort of drive to 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 survive i guess how did it affect your work cuz you must have gone on to zoom we did we uh, reverted to kind of zoom really quickly which was you know all good the team were amazing and we just carried on working we were really busy during and still are actually but i think lots of the team missed the face to face work and what we did was we we set up quite a lot of kind of ways for the team to connect and right. people to to sort of be together in a way that we often weren't actually before the pandemic. This morning, I see that photos are going around and the team were taking pictures of their shelves. Like, what what have you got on your shelves? And right. um, this, this morning, yeah, this morning, and like uh, one of the one of the team has got like four hundred pairs of trainers all in boxes on the shelf, and I was like, wow. Right. And so I, I can't imagine that type of thing would have happened so much before, actually. Yeah, that's quite nice, isn't it? It's quite nice. It's because our work is, you know, heavy a lot of the time, and it's really important that there are spaces where it just isn't really about that. But I do think, listen, I think, you know, friendships 
and relationships have also, you know, been really challenged during this time, whether it's people kind of, you know, being forced to be together and really realising that there are real difficulties where perhaps we might have been so busy with life before we didn't notice or we tried to pretend and busy ourselves up. I also think, you know, people, particularly people that perhaps aren't in relationships, relied on their friends quite a lot. And I think there was a lot of people feeling abandoned, forgotten, not heard, not seen. I read a really interesting meme yesterday. I was going to look at whether it was legitimate. It said it was from a psychologist. I'm not sure. And it was it was about how many hugs we need a day to feel feel good. And psychologically, apparently, there's a test which says we need eight hugs a day to to be at our optimum. Wow. And I was just thinking, God, did I actually do I actually get eight hugs a day? I probably do. I probably force my children to give me a few more than they really want to. Yeah. yeah but yeah, yeah. but actually, you know, imagine not having one hug during the whole of the lockdown, which I think really did happen for a lot of people. I often think of people that did it on their own. Yes. Yes, a lot of our clients did it on their own. A lot of people must have done it on their own. Yeah. Honestly, three months inside on your own without really, like in hindsight is over the first lockdown, you know, is is a good thing because now we, you know, we know what the situation is and we know where we've ended up and got to. But in that, I don't know if you remember, but in that first one, there was quite a lot of, not knowing how serious this was. Is it a thing? Is it real? Is there going to be police on the street? Is there going to be the army on the street? How are they going to enforce this lockdown? How are they going to make sure we stay at home? How, you know, do you know what I mean? And if you're on your own, that must have been such a scary testing experience. Totally. And, and, and you know, for our mental health, I think, regardless really of whether we're on our own or with another, because it can be challenging anyway, but this idea that we've been, you know, separated from, you know, really important systems that have kept us well, whether that's going to the gym, getting our morning coffee, you know, I don't know, passing people in the corridor at work. These minute things which we take for granted, which which give us feedback about ourselves. And I think the withdrawal of that, I think, will be, I think we'll feel the impact of that for a really long time. And also kind of the fear of, of what is now, like, you know, what, what matters to me? Have I forgotten how to relate to people? What do my relationships mean anymore? you know, we've got to make the most of life except we have financial restrictions and actually I don't have a huge amount of time. I think there is loads of shit going on for people, to be honest, right now. Do you think there's like a kind of like huge mental shift that happened? As a kind of collective, you mean? Yeah, like, do you think it did awaken people to be like, wow, their life's so sort of like short and fragile and my freedoms can be taken away for whatever reason out of the blue? Well, I wonder if it kind of made us value to really think about the value of our life. And yeah. and sometimes we only really get to that point where in the eye of the storm of death, really, which is where we have that, you know, that moment of what did my life mean to me, to others? And I wonder if we were faced with a small part of that actually in this. And I think it did give us an opportunity in some cases to reflect 
to think, to kind of, yeah, to wonder about what matters to us and how we fill our lives with more of that and get rid of more of what doesn't. People have probably felt isolated within friendships for years. I grew up in an extremely tight-knit group of friends. And when we were 19, 18 and 19, we went traveling around the world. And it was the first time, really, that we'd spent, we'd basically lived with, you know, we were so young, 18 and 19, we were basically like in Southeast Asia, just like with each other. We were there for about a month. We all had motorbikes and we were all flying around this island. And then we all decided to come back to the where we were staying. And one of us didn't come back. He was off on his bike. And we were like, oh, we'll just leave. You know, he's probably just having fun, just like pinging around on his bike. On his own? On his own, yeah. We all sort of like did the turning and came back and he didn't. And then it was kind of felt a bit weird and time went on and we were like, you know, started worrying about him a little bit. And we were staying on the top of this hill and went down the hill where all the bikes were parked and he was just there. And we asked him what was wrong and he came back up to the, the huts where we were staying and he basically was just like, I just feel like all oh, you lot are closer than than I am. I feel like you you guys you four are really close, and I'm just on the outside. And then I was like, oh my god, I feel that. I feel I feel like you lot have got this like wicked friendship, and I'm the one on the outskirts. And then one by one, we were all admitted that at some point in time, we'd all felt like the others were closer. What an amazing moment, really, where someone like expressed their vulnerability, and actually, it really helped to, with the connection. Yeah. Yeah, it was amazing because we were just like, for all that time, you think it's you. You think you're the one that's sort of like on on the edge. But that's what I'm talking about, being feeling lonely and isolated, but you're actually within a friendship group. You know what I mean? And you know, you're talking a little bit there about imposter syndrome, which is like a really kind of widely talked about, you know, mental health, human condition, actually, which is you know, very simply where we feel like we're an imposter and in different environments. It can be in our family, could be in your music producer circuit. It could be... Yeah, I've definitely had it in that. (laughs) It could be with your mates, but a real sense that you don't belong, that you're not good enough, that you're not smart enough, pretty enough, cool enough, you know, to be there and that you don't belong and that everyone else has or thinks about or is something different to you. And we often kind of present the opposite to what you've just talked about, which is you've just talked about your mate being vulnerable, which allowed you all to kind of connect. But we often present with this slight veneer, which is, I'm okay though. And I've got my shit together and and I don't feel like you. But actually, often when we drill down, we really feel the same as humans. And I think getting underneath that veneer is really important for how we connect with others, you know. And he was brave, your mate, to say that, actually. Yeah. Because he really could have brave. just been kind of shitty with you all or angry or gone and got drunk or he could have done anything, but he just kind of said said it like it was. And I think that really kind of changes the shape of things. And, I mean, I know, you know, lots of people even as kind of fully grown adults, we can feel really left out of things. Like whether it's we see a picture on social media, we're not invited to stuff. We can still feel so not included and often it's not the intention. Yeah, I I feel like imposter syndrome is something, is like kind of buzzword at the moment, isn't it? It's kind of like, yeah, imposter syndrome, like anxiety. Do you ever feel it? 
Yeah, yeah, I feel it. Uh, but what I think I feel it, this is why I wanted to clear up like what it is, because it's like everyone says they've got anxiety at the moment. And, you know, what is that? But I get it when I'm in big sessions in big studios with lots of people. Or when I do a camp, like I've just done a camp recently where we were all basically living together. So we're all making an album. We all had our own rooms. We'd have breakfast, lunch, dinner together. We'd spend the evenings together. We'd work all day, all night. And what would happen was you start to feel like if you're there for one day, you know, you're bashing out ideas. You're there for two days, you're bashing out ideas. Three days, you're bashing out we were there for a month, right? So after like two, after two weeks or a week and a half where you're just like, I am spent, like all my ideas. Are just... And then you hear someone in a studio like down the hall making something amazing and you're like, oh, maybe I'm not, you know, maybe I'm not good enough or maybe I'm, you know, how are they still, how do they still have the energy to draw on ideas or be creative or, you know. The other thing I, I found difficult was Timing wise, yeah, because I'm quite a morning person. So around 10 in the morning is when I'm most creative. You know, by six, seven in the evening, you know, I'm quite spent. Sometimes I just like, you're not going to get a good idea out of me. But on this camp, obviously, other people were night people. So they wouldn't start their process until 10, 11 at night and go on through till four in the morning. But when you're in an environment like that, where like everyone's kind of, and there wasn't any egos on the camp, it was a really beautiful camp, but when everyone's in the same house, if I'm spent by six, seven, no, if I'm spent by like eight, I'm sort of like done. I've done my day. I started at 10 making music all day. And then you hear something happening at 10 and then everyone runs into that room and it gets really excited. And, and then you're like, oh, well, maybe I should be working as well. You know, why am I, why am I not? Instead of being like, Do you know what? I had a great day. You know, I've put everything into that day. Now it's their turn. Like you it made me be like, maybe I should be working or making some. So what I'm thinking about as you tell that kind of story, which is really, you can get a really clear kind of picture of that experience is, I think I would understand what you're talking about there more as a kind of healthy competitiveness or a healthy desire to be, the, the, not get left behind, if you like, or to be... That sounds more like me, yeah. Whereas in, imposter syndrome is more, I think, if we were to imagine it as being something that might paralyze you out of that experience, so not just your creative kind of relationship to your music or whatever, which it can be a part of that, as in I'm not as good as them or I, I don't feel I'm... Yeah. But, but more, it might show up a bit more like, I can't even go to that camp. Why They don't really want me there. They're just inviting me because I know someone. I mean, that's quite a sort of strong voice. But I think you're talking a bit about imposter, but it's more relatable and is quite a sort of, you know, the way that we aspire for creativity, raise ourselves up. Whereas imposter syndrome comes can come really early from your sort of childhood experiences, which is... You're definitely in the right kind of camp for it, but it might paralyze you from going and sitting in the lounge with the other musicians, let's just say, because you feel that you haven't got anything to talk to them about or that what you say is maybe being laughed at or you you become kind of a bit paranoid about your presence, let's just say. Does that make sense to you? Yeah, 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 it does. It does. I mean, that's great because I always wanted to sort of clear it up because... 
I guess I'd I'd just throw it out and be like, yeah, it was good, but you know, imposter syndrome, you know, a bit. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> well, I mean, look, it is a bit imposter syndrome, a little bit, but I think we need to be careful that we don't broadly diagnose ourselves with something which is actually also a really new kind of normal human propensity, which is to go, oh, he's making amazing music and I'm feeling a bit jealous of that and I, I, I'm i too tired to do it and damn or whatever, Yeah, which is <sighs> annoying and hard and can be very difficult to manage. But uh, experiences of imposter syndrome would really p- perhaps prevent you from even going. Interesting. Right. So it's, it's, it's actually can be way more paralyzing and detrimental than just sort of like, I get, I don't, I don't want to downplay it, but just feeling like you're not as good as the guy. Yeah. The guy next to you. Yeah. Which is a kind of tiny dose of it. I grew up in a household where being intelligent was not championed because I think everyone felt like they weren't smart or they weren't Ed, they weren't very educated. And so if if I wanted to study, I wasn't hugely studious, but I did quite like it. It was I was sort of mocked a bit. And so really and and it was always talked about, oh, you look nice or you look pretty. And so I used to and still do sometimes find my self feeling as if I'm an imposter in anything which is an intellectual environment. And so I will purposely do something silly or kind of not own my my intelligence and I I'm not saying I'm really intelligent but I am fairly switched on and I can find myself pretending that I'm not because I feel like an imposter in that environment and I'm I'm more right that is a thing isn't it like playing dumb or like dumbing down your your intelligence yeah or I'll wear something stupid like really revealing but because then I then I'm sort of living up to the idea that I'm maybe my intelligence doesn't need to be called to order or I don't know, it, but it, but I, it's definitely inherited legacy and it's taken me a really long time to just sort of be. You grew up in quite a busy house though, right? You had lots of siblings. Busy house, kind of lots of kind of fragments, kind of fairly chaotic animals, alcohol, sort of <laughs> no money chaos really and um there wasn't really much value in learning it wasn't valued but yes so imposter syndrome can show up in so many different ways and um it it can feel very uncomfortable i guess it can show up in friendship groups too right totally you can feel left out you can feel as if all your you know i think when we hit milestones like 30 40 50 everyone else is doing better than me everyone's bought a house everyone's yeah. got kids everyone's doing a masters i'm not what's wrong with me oh, i can't hang out with them anymore cuz they're all da, 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 da. you know the way that our brains work we have to really try hard to catch hold of ourselves but it is normal you know it is we are and can be very insecure, very vulnerable as and fragile as humans. And I think these are our superpowers. They're not things that we need to constantly act out in defense of. Actually celebrating all of it and finding ways to connect with others is like really important. I mean, I don't know about you. I still don't really like going into a really crowded pub or a busy room. I much prefer to kind of take one person and sort of go, 
Oh, yeah. So, oh, feeling really uncomfortable here. And nah, can you sit with me over here on the side? And I'd rather kind of relate like that than kind of go in and sort of hold court in front of loads of people, which I'm sure we can both do if we really have to. Yeah, but there's that kind of like the niceness, isn't it, about like fight, or like having a little friend that you kind of like <laughs> your buddy. Yeah, your buddy that you kind of like, you know pull off to the side and have a little chat with and yeah in social situations i mean i guess that's another one is it's going to be kind of like tested isn't it it's like big social gatherings yeah i think there will be a lasting sort of effect on how we socialize and what's needed to be social i think as well to what did we get out of that going to that pub Maybe like as you grow up or as you get older, you know, your priorities change of what constitutes as like a good night out. But maybe like you reevaluating your friendships and how you connect with each other and how you socialize. Absolutely. And sort of, I think less, you know, empty interactions, which can be like you say, you can be stood in a pub with hundreds of people at the coolest party. And actually you feel and have much more of a kind of, satiated experience where you just walk to the bus stop with a friend or even a stranger and so I wonder it's about how we feel about the interactions about the things that we make meaning from I think it's going to be interesting to kind of to see really yeah it's going to be amazing I was talking to a friend the other day about people who probably felt quite comfortable like in their job and now maybe feeling not so comfortable I feel like this experience has made many people feel replaceable. Whereas before they didn't. Say they worked for a big company and a lot of their work was traveling or doing meetings or if there was like six people on a team doing, you know, have a meeting in Amsterdam or meeting in Paris and then back to London. And then all of a sudden these companies are like, well, why do we need five of these guys when we can just use one and do it on Zoom? So maybe there's people out there that are feeling insecure insecure like they never thought about it they always thought their place in the company or place in their friendship was always very secure and now they're feeling insecure about their place in their you know their workplace whether they feel replaceable at work or whether they feel replaceable in their friendship groups if someone is feeling like that what's what do they do you know the reality is we are all replaceable and i think if we can kind of understand that really early on as a concept and a feeling I think it kind of serves us quite well. I don't mean that we're all not important. That's not it. But when we are in service to others, either it's companies or other people, we are kind of getting our validation by either our output or how we're in service to others. And actually that puts us in a really kind of vulnerable place to to base our esteem or our sense of belonging on on that because it's so fragile, really. It's so transient. And so can we find a way of feeling good enough even when we are replaced or let go? And of course, we're going to have feelings about that and it might feel really shit and really upsetting and really horrible. But somewhere deep down, you have a more kind of a stronger sense of, of your worth. And I think that's what we need to strive for, really. And it takes a lot to get there. But I think building on meaningful interactions, getting feedback from how you make others feel, how others feel about you, you know, really valuable 
kind of conversations that are kind of expansive and not really brittle and sort of superficial, if you like. All of these things help us to deal with difficult life experiences like being replaced at work. So I don't think there's kind of quick fixes to it. I think it's just all of, you know, the way we live and the, the choices that we make contribute to how we feel. doesn't matter what sector it's in. Maybe it is doing what my friend did and, and being honest and saying, I just feel like mm. you, lot, you lot are closer or... Yeah. I feel, you know... I feel left out. I feel like I'm... I'm and I think that's a really nice way of changing the shape of things. And so either you guys could have gone, well, actually, yeah, we're finding you really difficult at the moment to be with or whatever, but you didn't. You all went, oh, my God, me too. And so there was a sort of connection in it. Yeah, definitely. But either way, whatever the outcome, you would have got to some kind of truth. And we did. Yeah, it was amazing. We were just like, I definitely felt it. You know, if you say it in your relationships, if you really kind of drill into what's happening, because we can get into sort of, behavior patterns and ways of being that are you know either angry or upset or withdrawn we're not actually putting voice to what's happening which is I'm feeling like left behind or I'm feeling left out or small or whatever it is to try to find words to put to it in whatever the relationship is really is really helpful but that takes a lot of courage sometimes doesn't it yeah it totally does and some support you know can't always do it quickly and we won't always get it right but to to think about it in a slightly different way it's really important amazing so my supervisor shared a poem with me and we were talking about the kind of fragility of um of friendships and and also how how to to kind of hold on and let go and he sent me this poem which i think is really lovely so i'm going to share it with you now it's called friendliness and it says First meditate, be blissful, then much love will happen of its own accord. Then being with others is beautiful and being alone is also beautiful. The it is simple too. You don't depend on others and you don't make others dependent on you. Then it's always a friendship, a friendliness. It never becomes a relationship. It's always a relatedness. You relate, but you don't create a marriage. A marriage is out of fear. Relatedness is out of love. You relate. As long as things are moving beautifully, you share. And if you see that the moment has come to depart because your paths separate and at this crossroads, you say goodbye with great gratitude for all that the other has been to you, for all the joys, all the pleasures and all the beautiful moments that you have shared with the other. With no misery, with no pain, you simply separate. Wow. And I really like that poem because I think it, Yeah, I think it sort of says it's about this idea of how we depend on others and how we can hold on so tightly to to the ideals of things, of friends, of relationships, that actually we stop choosing friendliness. We kind of choose dependency. Yeah. And I think there's something really autonomous and special about that idea that we are always just relating. Wow, that's beautiful. Who's, Who's it by? Good question. It's by Osho. It's from the Osho Zen Tarot. And the book is called The White Lotus. There's a new show called The White Lotus. It might be unrelated. (laughs) Everything's related. It's all relatedness. 
Well, thank you very much. Lovely speaking to you. Same. And uh, check out the self space if anyone listening is interested in what Jody does. And we'll see you next time.